2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about politics in the workplace. I'm sure you um, have many of you have heard about the uh, current uh, controversy about Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez. Some people are calling for him to be fired or to resign, and yet the President is trying to protect him. Well, lest you think that some of these issues regarding the Alberto Gonzalez case have no bearing on your life, (laughs) let me tell you that they do, because if you work in an environment where there is at least one other person, you are going to be and you have been uh, affected by politics in the workplace. So in order to help you uh, tread this this minefield of workplace politics successfully because um, it really is something that that does impact us all, whether we get fired, whether we get promoted, um, whether people we love or care about get fired or promoted or or how they're treated in the workplace, whether all kinds of unfair things are going on or not. Um, It really does affect all of us, and it's very hard to do a good job and to feel fulfilled by our work if we have to um, get setbacks or feel unappreciated by things that are taking place in our workplace. So today, to help you uh, successfully navigate this minefield and climb the ladder of success without falling off, I have two top Los Angeles attorneys to help you. We have Bradley Gage, who is a plaintiff's attorney, (laughs) meaning that he represents the victims of discrimination, harassment, retaliation, and personal injury. He's a partner in the Woodland Hills, California, law firm of Goldberg and Gage, um, and he has won several million-dollar lawsuits. Now, in the other corner, <laughs> since these are two attorneys who normally um, would be in opposing corners, a defense attorney, Robert Becken. He's with the law firm of Music, Peeler, and Garrett in Costa Mesa, California, and he represents management um, in labor and employment law, especially in issues regarding unions, sexual harassment, wage, and hours, and um, he also gives seminars, and he was selected by his peers as one of 30 Southern California super lawyers representing management, so we have two top-notch attorneys in their field, in this field of employment law. And let me just welcome to the show, first of all.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Carol. It's great to be here.
2: And let me just uh, throw out a few issues. I was thinking about this, and really this Alberto Gonzalez case that's in the news um, is really brings up so many issues that occur in employment cases, whether you're representing the victim, or defending the employer. Such things as um, whether there's a conflict of interest because um, he was Bush's, George Bush's, personal attorney. Whether he's being uh, protected because he's the pet of the boss and whether he's been allowed to um, have, whether he's being cut more slack now, despite some people saying that he has told lies or half-truths because he's the boss's favorite. What about also um, his claiming not to know what his underlings, the people beneath him, are doing? He's saying, oh, yes, maybe that's wrong, but I didn't know <laughs> what was going on in my own department. Um, He also, well, I'll I'll let you talk about uh, what he's in trouble for in more detail, but basically it's for the firing of eight federal prosecutors and for the other issue of perhaps allowing the administration, the Bush administration, to overstep privacy concerns and um, say that they're allowed to do this because of the rules that have been enacted to protect us against terrorism. And another example is the fact that now there's the latest thing to come to uh, the forefront is the 3,000 emails that the Justice Department has made public, um, which (laughs) teaches you to be very careful what you write in emails in a job. And last but not least, as far as what I've been able to come up with, um, the possible, if he is fired or asked to resign, the possible um, uh, defense that he could have or, or... not defense really but the, the claim that he could have um, that he's being discriminated against because he's a minority he's Hispanic so I will now uh, put this in uh, your both of your capable hands to dissect and, um, and tell, tell us what your opinion is and how this relates to some of the cases I mean certainly you have examples from your own years of, um, of history in employment law how this relates to some of those examples.
3: Well, Carol, I think uh, as you indicated, uh, and, and
2: could you? And oh, I, this is Rob
3: back, through. and I apologize. Yes, so okay. yeah. uh, so this really does uh, the the whole political issue of the politics, of the workplace. So you know, that's that, that's one issue in terms of motivation and whether it appears the the company is discriminatory. Those are all you know workplace issues that have both uh, morale implications and legal implications. But I think let's begin with just the fact that this is very similar to the typical employment case. In terms of the fact that in employment, in virtually every situation, everyone is employed at will, uh, and that terms, term means they can be fired with or without cause, with or without notice. However, on a backdrop of that is the fact that you cannot terminate someone because they're Hispanic or because of their age, etc. Basically, people who are white males under 40 have no rights, but that's a whole other issue. Uh, but in any event, the point here is is that. If someone is terminated and the company says, we're just getting rid of you because you're at will, and that person files a charge of discrimination or files a lawsuit, then the company's going to have to articulate a non-discriminatory business reason for the termination. In other words, this person was picked out because, uh, was terminated because they were insubordinate to the manager. And other people showing the non-discrimination have also been terminated if they were insubordinate to the boss. In this particular situation, from a political standpoint, it's much the same. Uh, president Bush is maintaining that he has the right uh, to fire any uh, uh, you know, attorney general uh, across the country that he wants to because they serve at the pleasure of the president. And indeed, uh, you know, when uh, Clinton came to office, he fired 90 uh, attorney generals uh, because he wanted to clear everyone out and have people that he wanted to appoint. And uh, President Bush did a similar thing. Now, in this situation, it's a little bit different, uh, because these people have been serving, and all of a sudden, with no really uh, basis for it happening, is there were eight people picked out for termination. The most significant person picked out, of course, is uh, uh, the Attorney General Lamb, uh, uh, Associate District Attorney Lamb, who was, has been involved in, of course, the uh, Prosecution of of uh, Duke, the congressman, who uh, Cunningham, who was uh, indicted for uh, receiving bribes from uh, uh, from, from uh, contractors, uh, and uh, in addition to that, according to all reports and in fact memos from her, she was in the middle of investigating other people in Southern California, uh, politicians and other business people, uh, as part of this ongoing investigation, and then all of a sudden she's terminated. Now, there is is speculation that this particular termination uh, is not just because Bush was dissatisfied, but it's part of a way to get her out of the way so that these prosecutions could not take place. Hmm. And so it's it's much like the real place. The administration now has to justify why they did it. And unfortunately, uh, as Mr. Gates can say, this is, uh, they've given various reasons. the initial pronouncements from, uh, Deputy Attorney General Paul McNulty, were that, you know, there were performance problems. Now I said, well, there wasn't performance problems. Uh, I was told that was wrong. That was really it. Uh, we were just getting ready to be for just, uh, we just wanted to check things up. So, anyways, I want to, uh, uh, let, let the other side talk. But this is probably one of those issues where uh, I think we we'll both agree that the the, the changing uh, stories as to why they did it is creating uh, a situation as to whether there may be a problem in terms of Lamb or whether this is an obstruction of justice issue. Whether she being terminated because she's in the middle of of going after these people in Southern California.
2: Okay, Bradley. Hi, this is Brad Gage,
4: and I basically agree. I think. That Could you
2: speak a little up a little bit? Sure.
4: This is a lot like a whistleblower retaliation case, which any employee could have. For example, I represent the assistant chief of police against the city of Southgate last year in trial on whistleblower. In that case, he had investigated police abuse and harassment of citizens. After he was doing that investigation, they terminated him. They had their reasons. Uh, we proved that those reasons were wrong, and then he was awarded a multi-million dollar result. The same thing happens here. With um, Attorney General Lamb, one of the reasons that they gave for terminating her is that she was a poor performer, but there's all kinds of evidence to indicate that that's not a true reason. Anytime you have an employee who has um, complained about some kind of illegality or wrongdoing or investigated the wrongdoing, in California in particular, and they then end up getting terminated or have any other kind of adverse action taken, they have the right to file a claim for a whistleblower retaliation. And that seems to me to be what's happening here. And that doesn't matter whether you're at will or not, because you have certain rights. That whole at will agreement just basically says that you serve at the pleasure of someone, but you can't be fired for a wrongful reason, whether it's discrimination harassment, retaliation. And I think that's what you're seeing here. She was investigating areas of potential wrongdoing, and she got fired, and at least in California. Once you can show that, then the burden shifts to the employer to demonstrate by clear and convincing evidence a legitimate reason.
2: Well, you know, um, do you think that, I'm not sure how long ago these terminations took place, but... Um, I don't think anyone has filed a lawsuit. Are they, uh, in their particular capacity, are they able to file a lawsuit of wrongful termination?
3: Well, I think Carol. You know, they, they certainly. This would, of course, be a federal issue. But I think that the you know, first of all, they they do serve at will. Now the issue becomes uh, whether or not uh, that they were terminated for unlawful motives, an obstruction of justice type case, uh, which you know I believe uh, you know uh, we we can chat about. I think there is an an opportunity there uh, for them to to say that they were that the reason for this termination was because uh, you know she was in the middle of investigating this. Now, one thing I want to that really hasn't been touched in the media is that the other people that were terminated, there doesn't appear to be, you know, again, they have this poor performance allegation, which they now have withdrawn. These other people are kind of caught up in this this, this wave of termination. One of the people, that, one of the attorneys that was terminated, was re- replaced by Carl uh, uh, uh chief of staff, ironically. But what is interesting is, is that it's almost like, and, and certainly uh, Mr. Gage can address this, a situation where, you know, they want to get rid of a particular person and they're in a protected category, maybe a whistleblower or something, and they decide to do a layoff, which is the favorite employer trick, which uh, is, I, I just despise it because it's very tough to defend. And so they lay off this one person who's the whistleblower and then lay off other people to mask mm-hmm. what is really going on. And in this situation, I, I certainly can't uh, speak to it. But it, in my my supposition is is that this is unfortunately a situation that has a real root to it. And if I were in uh, in Mr. Gage's shoes, you'd go, wait a minute, there's something something smells bad here. And uh, I, I got to tell you, the the emails I think reflect that Carl um and I will say on the air, I'm a Republican. I'm not a big Carl Lowe supporter. Uh, is in the middle of all this thing. And it becomes a question why is he in the middle of it? And why is he, you know, petitioning to have, uh, Lamb, uh, uh, removed when in fact he just completed a very successful, uh, prosecution of Cunningham and, uh, was on a way to, to do the right thing and, and make sure the laws aren't violated. So, uh, why, why don't you give us your perspective on that? But it, it, it kind of smells like those layoff cases we have where, you know, it, it it's kind of a mask. And they, they were too of what you just said in, in your case against the city of Southgate. They come up with some pro-offord reasons as to why they got rid of it, but those were found to be without merit.
4: Well, I think that's true. And I think that what happens is, is, is first of all, it's kind of interesting all of the different scandals that we've had with this Republican administration. Um, but in California, I think that the way that you approach something like this for any employee is you look to the labor code. If it's a complaint that's to any kind of a governmental agency, there are whistleblower statutes that are right on point for that. I think that that's what you'll see happening. I mean, We are seeing these kinds of cases right now in Maywood Police Department, which my office is handling. We're seeing it with a number of other Southgate police officers. We're seeing it in Linwood and Colton. So it's happening all over our state day in and day out with employees who are paying the price after they've done the right thing. It's really unfortunate.
2: You mean after they've, um, after they've blown the whistle and, and told about some practices that weren't um, legitimate.
4: Exactly.
2: Okay, well, we do need to take a break. Um, when we come back, we'll talk more About politics in the workplace with my esteemed guests, attorney Robert Beckin and Bradley Gage. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol
3: Lieberman.
4: The Internet's
5: premier talk radio station, VoiceAmerica.com.
0: What does it take to get your business online? How do you leverage the Internet to attract more clients, expand your network, and make more money? What are the tools you need to master? It's not enough to know the tools. You need to build a solid foundation and actually implement systems that automate your business as much as possible. On Blogging and Beyond with Denise Wakeman and Patsy Krakoff, the Blog Squad, learn about new tools that are easy and essential to use in order to grow your business online. Get strategies, tactics, and tips that Work if you implement them. Denise and Patsy interview internet marketing experts, plus, coach a client in real time through the steps designed to market a real product or service. Blogging and Beyond with Denise Wakeman and Patsy Krakoff broadcasts each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Blogging and Beyond leverage the internet to attract, sell, and profit online.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about politics in the workplace, and you don't have to be Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez to be in hot water at your job. My guests today, uh, Robert Beckin and Bradley Gage, both um, experts, top L.A. lawyers in employment law, and uh, Mr. Gage comes at it from the plaintiff perspective and Mr. Beckin from the defense, defending the employer and, uh, versus, versus uh, protecting or standing up for the victim. So it's very interesting to hear there are two different perspectives on some of these same issues. Um, why don't we start with, you know, with, um, why don't we talk about some of the common issues that everyone faces in their job, even if they're not an attorney general?
3: Yeah, I think that the, the politics of the workplace, this particular political action by Attorney General Alberto, Alberto Gonzalez is playing out in the media. I mean, it becomes a big political issue because it obviously has political implications in terms of Republicans and Democrats, but the same sort of demarcation of whose side you're on uh, plays out in the workplace. Uh, and, you know, politically, where are you on certain issues? For example, uh, well, I started my career in 1976, running around the country uh, helping to, to make sure if a union's trying to organize that the uh, the employers got the message as to what, emplor- what uh, unions could and could not do. But those become political issues as well because what you'll find out is, is normally people seek union representation because there's a problem with the manager or the supervision. They're not being treated properly. And so it's how does the company respond to that issue? You know, do they, do they acknowledge a mistake or do they, they say, you know, we're doing a good thing and go get the union? You know, what do you do in terms of, of that? And then secondly, you know, whose side are you on? Of course, it's illegal under the National Labor Relations Act to fire someone because of their union activity or perceived union activity. But that becomes a political issue of you know are you supporting the company or not supporting the company, and that can play out between employees and and certainly in strike situations we see you know situations where brothers against brothers you know one brother goes out on strike the other one stays and works and so those can become very very emotional issues in the context of uh, of a union situation. But I also think it plays out just in day to day situations in terms of you know who's the perceived person that's taking over running the office or whether you're with you know the group that is the one that is now in control, and I think uh, Bradley has a very great example of exactly how this plays out in the police department, where there's these changes in who's running the police department, whether you're perceived as as you've been a long time for support of the assistant chief, or whether you're really loyal to the old chief who got removed, and I think those really play out in terms of, you know, what happens to you down the road. If you're perceived as uh, being, you know, really a disciple of the last uh, chief, uh, then the new one coming in is going to say, you know, I'm not going to promote this guy. I want people around me that, that support me. So, uh, Bradley, why don't you talk about that, because I think yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about, that the politics of the workplace and how it impacts your career and and, uh, and your job.
4: Well, I have a couple of examples. Um, first of all, going back to Southgate Police Department, we have the second of a series of lawsuits against Southgate PD for discriminatory practices and retaliation. and The case that's coming up for trial now on April 3rd involves four more police officers, all of whom were basically trying to do their jobs and do it well. They avoided getting involved in politics. If you'll recall, it's been in the news in the past, how there was basically the equivalent of a political coup in which there was a recall election, certain city officials were recalled new individuals came in. Well, the aftermath of that was that those police officers that were perceived as being associated with the old chief of police, he got booted out. He ended up getting paid a lot of money because it was a wrongful booting, he claimed. And then a new chief came in. Well, that new chief, it's alleged, was treating various employees that uh, were associated with the old chief, who happened to be Latino, in an improper manner. And so we are set to go to trial on a case involving claims of discrimination, in part because my clients themselves are non-Caucasians, and in part because of their association with the former Latino chief of police, who was the first and only Latino ever um, to serve as a chief of police in Southgate, and there's also a situation in that case about political retaliation because these police officers were being coerced to engage in political activity, which is illegal under the law, we contend, and we have various theories that we're pursuing. What
2: what do you mean by political activity?
4: Well, for example, we had officers who uh, would have other officers scream profanities at them, forcing them, Basically, to participate in a political recall or threat the possible or be threatened with the possibility of reprisal, in fact, those officers that did not participate in the recall election, they had tires slashed in the secure police parking lot. One person's dog was pepper sprayed, a canine dog. another officer had a screw put into his tire. Um, officers received written death threats telling them. Uh, essentially look over your shoulder you never know what will happen in this cruel world in which you live in so those kinds of behaviors um, triggered a number of different lawsuits for hostile work environment for discrimination for retaliation and also for political coercion which police officers have certain rights under the peace officers bill of rights and we are proceeding on that theory as far as I know I'm the only lawyer in California that's ever successfully tried a Peace Officer Bill of Rights case, and I've had two successful ones, both part of multi-million dollar judgments, and we're for Charlie getting himself gate on that theory,
3: so in this situation, the people that were tallied against uh, were people who were not actively supporting the recall and were perceived as being supportive of the existing chief exactly that kind of, and then addition to that is that these people who were not participating were as you said, non-continuous, probably of Latino uh, 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 national origin, and and just the fact that they were Latino and that the the former chief of police was Latino, that they're perceived as supporting the former chief uh, based on just the simple race card.
4: Is that right? Well, they were Latino, they were Asian, they were Pacific Islander, so we had a couple different groups. They were
2: minorities, though, and and the new uh, chief was Caucasian?
4: The new chief was Caucasian, and interestingly... On this case, that new chief, he was part of a group of Caucasian officers that when the Latino chief was appointed, they all filed lawsuits against the city of Southgate claiming that they were victims... Of
3: discrimination uh. because they were Caucasian, uh. reverse discrimination—that's called. You know, but for the fact that I'm white, I would be would be promoted. And it's just a, a attempt now to, to rewrite history and promote the uh, the, the, the the non-Caucasians into positions uh, regardless of their skill or ability.
4: Correct. And yeah. what happened in that case is is when the Latino chief accepted the job back originally in November two thousand one, well October two thousand one, a group of armed believed armed police officers surrounded him and his children at their home late one night. He withdrew as the chief of police. The Caucasian chief, who had claimed that he was a victim of discrimination because he wasn't selected to be chief, was then offered the job. He turned it down and continued with his discrimination lawsuit. So that's the case, I think, where... um, Robert and I would be on the same side thinking that's a totally bogus claim but in any event they proceeded they ended up getting their lawsuit thrown out of court
3: um you know federal action and you know, it, 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 when, you, when you're talking, it, it's just amazing that that's taking place. I uh, initially went to Emory Law School and practiced in uh, Georgia for many years, and in the South. And I, I got to tell you, it 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 almost is reminiscent of some of the horror stories coming out of the you know <laughs> the old days in the South. Uh, I mean, this uh, this that sort of situation sounds like a you know a KKK rally around the guy's house. I mean, right. it's just porn. Uh,
4: you would be amazed. The testimony in this lawsuit from one of the captains was that back in the 1980s, racial slurs were so common in the Southgate PD that he would hear anywhere from
3: five to ten racial slurs every day. Well, you know, one, one thing we're we'll talk about, Carol, is, is what do you do about the politics? And uh, if you're trying to move up the ladder, You know, what do you do? Do you you try to? There's that uh, movie, How to Succeed with Business uh, Without Really Trying, How to Seek Business, which is probably all the people on the phone remember what it was. But, uh, anyways, you know, do you try to hitch on to someone as your mentor who is perceived as someone going up the ladder? And, uh, you know, what are the potential costs of doing that? Now, that would be a situation where if you're, you know, tied on to someone and then someone else gets the new, uh, you know, regional vice presidency. You know, what happens to you? Now, whether that, that would probably not be a situation that was actionable. But in the workplace, we have to be mindful as employees as to, you know, what we're saying and who we're talking about. And those, you know, kind of situations, just like in, in school, it can go back to haunt you. If you're, uh, you know, sp- uh, one spreading the bad rumors and causing dissension and, uh, the person that's kind of protecting you, uh, you know, gets put on the, uh, George Washington program as made part of history and doesn't get the promotion, and you're kind of left out there stranded. Um, and then, also, companies need to be mindful of when they make decisions regarding the promotion of certain people or or the uh, or the termination of certain people that they they have to be able and there 's always a, a tendency in this country not to say anything about the termination. Uh, they may need to explain why it took place because it, it may affect the, the body politic, if you will of the Employment uh, of the of the company. The employees may feel as though the company's not fair. That uh, that this was done. That, that the person was mistreated, and, and that impacts uh, you know people's staying. It impacts uh, their productivity. You know, all those kinds of issues are impacted by employment decisions in the workplace, and where the company wants to make sure that you know people understand it and there's a basis for it when they act irrationally. As in this situation, we have with the the, the terminating of the eight uh, district attorneys and uh, and the kind of things that uh, that Bradley facing in this case, uh, it really impacts the ability of the of the department or the company or the or the branch or the plant to operate effectively.
2: Yes, well, I think that it would be that's a good idea. That when we come back, both of you can talk about uh, some of the common um, uh, problems that you see in in cases that you're handling and and how people. Uh, can protect themselves in the workplace and how employers can protect themselves. You know, one thing that struck me, though, talking about the police department, I mean, it's, it's terrible when this kind of thing happens in any employment setting, and it does happen in every employment setting. Uh, politics, you know, not necessarily where people get surrounded with guns, but yeah. um, <laughs> Luckily. But, but politics. But it's really very uh, upsetting, discouraging, uh, terrible that this kind of thing is going on in police departments. I mean, not that I'm not that naive to you know, but it's just it's just really. I mean, they're supposed to be out there protecting us, not playing these games. So stay tuned. We do need to take a break now. We're talking with two top L.A. Um, employment attorneys, Bradley Gage and Robert Beckin. And uh, if you have any questions uh, that you would like answered, this is your golden opportunity. If you're an employer or an employee, you can call in and uh, and get some answers from top people. So uh, So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
4: The Internet's premier talk radio station, voiceamerica.com.
0: Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with president of Treveras David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Travers Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel.
5: Muscular Development presents Noble Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding, uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style, hosted by the infamous muscle mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. Noble Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan then tune in and find out noble radio uncensored uncompromised unrestrained
1: go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life join host jeffrey gitterman and his guests the premier thought leaders in business politics science spirituality and culture who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success so won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, Redefining the Meaning of Prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about politics in the workplace, from Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez to your own job. And now is a chance that you have to call in if you have any questions um, to get advice from two top Los Angeles uh, employment law attorneys, Robert Becken, who is with the Costa Mesa law firm of Music Peeler & Garrett, And Bradley Gage with the Woodland Hills law firm of Goldberg and Gage. So, um, you know, one thing I and I want to add that I personally know that these men are tops in their fields because of having worked with them as a psychiatric expert witness. Obviously, on different sides of the fence, Uh, Mr. Gage represents the plaintiff, and Mr. Becken represents the defendant, which is the employer. Why don't we? One of the things that I'm always struck with is, or struck by, (laughs) is um, how much what goes on in the workplace is really a microcosm of what goes on in the worker's family. Um, When a worker, no matter what the job is, an employee goes into that job and unconsciously sees their boss as their mother or father figure. They're an authority figure and uh, oftentimes they have more than one boss and one person can be the mommy and one person can be the daddy and they don't realize that they are actually looking at their superiors in that way. And that can cause lots of problems because of whatever the family dynamics were um, before they got to that job. For example, uh, if someone is a one of several siblings and they feel that, They were the least favorite and they had a particular sibling that got all the goodies and then they're in a work situation and they have coworkers on their level and they feel that the boss is giving one of, has as his favorite one of their coworkers and that again, it reminds him uh, unconsciously of when it, how it felt when he was not favored, uh, when his parent preferred one of his other siblings, and it's the same thing. And there are all kinds of, you know, there's a uh, 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 countless examples. You know, where there are so many different subtleties of this, and um, and the example of the police station, you know, also reminded me of of there being children uh, acting like children. So, Bradley, why don't you start off with how, what you see as some of the, um, the some of the trends. You know, I, I think that in general there seems to be an increase in employment lawsuits. I think, you know, it, it's interesting as we, we're talking about uh, Alberta Gonzalez and, you know, as we hear about various lawsuits in the media, which we seem to be doing more and more, like the woman who won, I don't know, a million dollars or whatever it was for spilling coffee on her lap at McDonald's and that, bird on tons of similar lawsuits. So I think with kind of a, uh, the same thing happening with employment cases, now that they're in the media so much, I think employees are feeling, huh, that happened to me or is happening to me. I should do so. I should file a lawsuit. Tell us about what some of the common uh, complaints are from employees filing lawsuits.
4: Sure, the Brad gauge. I think that the complaints in these lawsuits can take many different shapes and forms. For example an employee, could be male or female, although usually the victim is female, is being sexually harassed by a supervisor primarily, and more often than not, it's a male. But I've represented gay men being pursued by gay men or straight men, being discriminated against for that, gay women. any Any person can have such a claim. I think the reason why we have an increase in certain types of claims is, is that people are more aware of their rights and that they understand that retaliation for filing these claims is illegal and is also actionable. Unfortunately, you still see a lot of employers trying to retaliate against employees that they follow these claims, and that usually results in greater problems for the employer. Examples, a female employee is at work Her boss starts asking her out repeatedly. She says no. She's not interested, and he doesn't get the message. That can be sex harassment. Or I've had cases where women were touched inappropriately, often in intimate places, all the way up to um, rape cases. These are the most egregious, obviously, in a sex harassment type of setting. Or you have individuals who are of various groups or ethnicities that are subjected to Various types of racial slurs. That can be a type of harassment. In the South Carolina Police Department, we have multiple employees that were named, called various racial derogatory terms, um, and sometimes they complained about it, and nothing really was taken um, or done to stop it by the employer. Employers, by the way, are obligated under the law to investigate. Inve- any kind of discrimination, harassment, or retaliation, and then to take prompt corrective action to see that it's eliminated. If there's a repeat of this, then you want to take some action in order to stop it. That means stronger discipline, perhaps firing the employees that are involved in doing this kind of harassment. Certainly, if it's a case that involves you know, any type of forced sexual activity, There can only be one response, in my opinion, by the employer, and that is to fire the person and to send them for criminal prosecution. Other situations aren't as severe, but they still take strong corrective measures in order to protect people. And incidentally, even if the victim does not want to proceed with the lawsuit or with a complaint, they say, yes, I'm a victim of harassment, but I don't want to get anyone in trouble. The employer has to still investigate because the employer does not only have to protect that victim, but all the other potential victims that are working there. And the way to do that is to find out what's being done, who is saying it, how to eliminate it, and to protect them. Yeah, I think
3: uh, I want to comment on that. I think that the key to this is to is to have the right policies and procedures. That are well publicized and so that people feel that they can utilize them. Now, it's one thing to have a policy and then watch, you know, the boss have a, uh, you know, a Playboy calendar on his desk. Uh, I had that one case one time. Uh, y- you know, you can't have policies and then allow that kind of thing to go on, and you've got to, as you say, Brad, you have to investigate it. Now, but let's go through some kind of. Common things that that we see that employers may do, for example, and Brad just just hit it. Someone comes forward and says, "I really don't want to, you know, make a complaint, but Bill's doing this." Well, the employer cannot sit back and go, "Well, you don't want to file a complaint?" No. Okay. Well, then we then, do you want anything? Okay. Good, because the issue then becomes the employer is on notice that this particular manager, for example, is someone that that may have the tendency and probably is a predator. It, it's going back to what Carol said. I, I think the, the term perhaps Carolyn just coined is uh, the prism of the past. <laughs> i out in the future. viewed through that prism of what, what their past has been. And frankly, the predators are predators. I mean, we see this play on the workplace time and time again. I mean, there are men that are in the workplace and they pick out, unfortunately, the people they perceive to be weak or unable to, that will not report them. And so they think they can get away with it. And so once an employer finds out that someone is engaging in that kind of conduct and, you know, sending flowers or trying to ask them out, you really need to investigate further and see where this has been the pattern. It's been my experience, and particularly, Brad, I know you'll confirm, and that's why you say you've got to do something. Is when someone touches someone or makes them, I had a case one time where the uh, uh, the uh, manager, by the way, I was doing a, a, a training program on uh, no harassment, and the manager raised his hand and said, Well, if a woman tells me a dirty joke, why can't I tell that one? So it kind of gives you the idea of the mentality. Uh, someone kind of, uh, he just got a haircut and kind of stuck the back of his hair and said, Nice haircut. And he, he turned around and grabbed his crotch and said, this this is nice, too. So that's an example of someone, you know, the guy's immediately fired. You don't wait around to find out what the next situation is. And when you have a touching, when you have, you know, something egregious or someone's following someone home, that person has to be terminated because, as Brad could tell you, the big cases are the ones of retaining someone there's a problem, the negligent retention. There's a wonderful case, and Brad knows about it, called Baker and McKenzie. And this was a situation where they had this partner who started off in Philadelphia and literally was moved across the company because he was a predator. He kept going after the secretaries. He finally put him in San Francisco. And a, a new secretary complains that he's, you know, trying to throw M&Ms down her blouse and, uh, you know, uh, making sexual comments. And uh, she goes to complain, and the office manager says, Well, that's just Bill. He's a big partner here, and you ought to be proud of him for such an esteemed lawyer. Hmm. And uh, they end up, uh, as, as Brad can tell you, kind of down the way, 90s later, she's kind of terminated because obviously he's kind of a troublemaker. Uh, and, uh,. And the result is she files a lawsuit, and the law firm goes and investigates and finds out this guy's been doing this for years. And the the argument through the jury by uh, by the uh, attorneys representing, well, uh, at this point they get rid of the partner, is that, you know, she was a secretary, she's only there 90 days, her damages aren't really much. And the uh, attorney gets up to the plaintiff and says, This is nonsense. This is a law firm. They have committed the illegal acts. They're, they've condoned it. You just send a message. And uh, the jury came back in 30 minutes. And when uh, they come back in 30 minutes, that's usually what? A defense verdict. In this case, they uh, they said it was uh, 7 point, uh, $11.1 million is what they awarded in that case, for negligent retention and condoning it. So employers have to take action, have to make sure the policy is real, and people feel that they're not going to retaliate against uh, for, for engaging in uh, in, in utilize, utilization of the policy. Yeah. Okay. So,
2: well, go ahead, Brad. Will, will I was
4: going to say, in Southgate, some of the people that are the alleged harassers have actually been, Elevated, which is the worst situation huh, huh, you
2: could huh. have. Yes, very sad, very unfair. All right, well, stay tuned. This hour is going quickly. My two guests, Bradley Gage and Robert Beckham, top employment lawyers in Los Angeles, were talking about politics in the workplace, and you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
4: The authority and in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson ecopreneur author and green living maven brings you an upbeat fun exploration of the doables of living a more earth-friendly life kim cuts through the noise and urban myth of green do's and don'ts and shows that it is possible to live green easily from hip organic weddings to exotic eco travel to healthy personal care products get the most current trends and tips from the experts for living a more planet-friendly and human lifestyle living the green life with kim carlson broadcast each thursday at noon pacific 3 p.m eastern on the voice America Channel, Living the Green Life, for a human, healthy, and planet-friendly lifestyle.
6: Whether by choice or by circumstance, the statistics of the effects of missing fathers and the impact on our children, our neighborhoods, and our communities is staggering. How can we interrupt this pattern of violence, gang activity, drug use, and sexual activity among our fatherless children? On Changing a Generation with author, inspirational speaker, life coach, and host Terrence Wilson. The focus is on elevating the mindset of this current generation by unveiling viewpoints that inspire people to reach for their dreams. Terrence and his guests reveal how building family relationships, becoming an entrepreneur, and living a Christian life develops future leaders in the next generation of children. Changing a Generation with Terrence Wilson broadcasts each Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Changing a Generation Bringing a Message of deliverance to the fatherless on Newstalk Radio Voice America dot com.
5: Muscular Development presents Noble Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the infamous muscle mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. Noble Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan then tune in and find out noble radio uncensored uncompromised unrestrained
1: voiceamerica.com welcome back to dr carol's couch if you have a question or comment for dr carol dial toll free at 1-866-472-5788 now back to the show here's dr carol lieberman
2: and welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, we're talking today about politics in the workplace, from Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez to your own job. And um, I want to make sure, uh, I want to clarify something. The two attorneys that I have as guests today, plaintiff's attorney Bradley Gage and defense attorney Rob Becken, are both super lawyers, which means that they have been uh, voted by their peers um, to be... What? is
3: the lawyers. best lawyers in their particular field. Both, both Brad and uh, and I are in the area of employment law. Obviously, uh, Brad is on the plaintiff side. I'm on the defense side, but defense side. But other lawyers vote that we are people that uh, represent the highest uh, level of, uh, of, of, of 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 competency, I guess, uh, with respect to how we handle cases and how we uh, uh, work with our fellow lawyers.
2: Well, that's a that's, those are that's a big honor because um, obviously that's a small number. <laughs> of lawyers to, who become who are voted uh, and thought well enough of to be super lawyers. So I thought maybe we could um, answer a question that probably some of my listeners have. They're thinking, huh, you know, um, I'm f- sort of disgruntled at work. There are some things going on that uh, I'm not really happy about, but is this enough to file a lawsuit, and how do I decide whether I actually have a lawsuit, whether it's Discrimination, or harassment, or wrongful termination, or uh, retaliation—whatever. Um, uh, how, how, how should someone? Because certainly, in my experience, um, people who are in lawsuits really are very surprised to discover just how emotionally draining and stressful it is. You know, you often have big, <laughs> big dollar signs in your eyes, thinking uh, of what you can get, but people are, are often not prepared for just how how draining and how much scrutiny they're put under. So would you um, both like to um, address that, how someone should, should I mean obviously an employer doesn't have much of a choice of whether he's involved, well, I mean other than trying to prevent things in advance, but once a lawsuit is filed he's in it. But what about an employee? How should someone decide whether or not they have a case and or whether they should find out if they have a case by seeing a lawyer and, and what goes into that?
3: yeah. Well, you know, first thing I want to emphasize is that you need to understand that, and I'm sure Brad will say the same thing, that what you always want to try to do is to work internally to resolve issues, uh, and uh, if you can't internally resolve it, then you need to look externally uh, but uh, the, the by, by drawing a, a line in the sand now if you 've got something egregious going on, some of the stuff that uh, brad has been talking about, then you know if, if they're allowing people to surround your house with guns uh, then you you probably need to go to the outside and get some help because that 's somebody who's out of touch with reality, uh, or you have a manager that's that's grabbing you, or or trying to have sex with you, or following you home. Those are issues that you need to bring to the company's attention. If you don't, if they don't take action. You need to make sure that you're, you know, contacting Brad or someone uh, who who works with plaintiffs in that area. Uh, the, the main thing to understand, I think, is is that you know you, you can be mistreated by an employer, um, and uh, you can you can have something that that takes 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 place from a political standpoint because you know someone doesn't like you. Um, But you must be able to show that it was because of some uh, protection that you have. Uh, The fact that you are, uh, use the example that Brad uses, someone who's gay who's being picked on because of the fact he's gay. Uh, you have to show that you're picked on, and that it resulted in something happening. Uh, uh, you're you're being subjected to harassment in the workplace, verbal situations are going on, or or you were demoted, or not given increase, or or in fact you were terminated because of uh, something of that nature. So, uh, Brad, you can comment. I mean, every case that uh, just because you're being it doesn't mean it's a lawsuit. The question is whether you violate some statute or you're being retaliated against.
4: Well, yeah. And
3: for example, with
4: harassment, one of the issues is whether this act app- action is severe and pervasive what that means is how egregious is it for the severity and then pervasive is how often does it repeat itself so there are cases that say one racial slur for example isn't enough but ten or fifteen racial slurs should be enough because now it is more uh, pervasive it's happening more often Maybe one racial cartoon by itself isn't enough, but if you get racial cartoons and racial slurs and unfair treatment where uh, the group that is the victim of that slur is also now not getting promotions, all of a sudden you get to demonstrate a discriminatory animus. And the way to determine if you have a case or not really is is to speak to a lawyer who is knowledgeable in this area, and he or she can then, help give you guidance and information, and from the employer, too, because sometimes we defend employers, not that often, but occasionally. And one thing that an employer can do if they're facing a lawsuit is consider early resolution. You can often save hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, by trying to work out a resolution quickly and early with the employee, finding um, common ground, common solutions, and eliminating a problem so that you can have a productive employee. I've had cases with Bell Gardens Police Department where some of my clients, after we resolved the case, they went on and they've enjoyed a good career and they've been promoted and they're now in management themselves. And that's because they got a new chief in there, he started to try to do the right thing, and Some people that I represented, they had the merit, they promoted, others didn't,
3: and they stayed where they were. But they got treated fairly, and that's the essence. Yeah, I think uh, the key here is there's a book uh, called Loyalty Rules by a man named Reich, and he's really studied the top companies. And you can, you know, know, Southwest Airlines, Enterprise Leasing, you can talk about those companies, and what they have are a dedication to treating people fairly and treating them right. And that's the essence of what this all all is about. I mean, the, the laws of discrimination were created because certain people were being picked There was obviously discrimination with respect to Afro-Americans. There's no question about it. That's what prompted the 64th Civil Rights Act, and it was outrageous what was going on. So society has has put in place laws. Let's let's talk about someone who's, who's, uh, who's gay. Laws have been passed now to prevent discrimination because, unfortunately, people wouldn't do the right thing. So it became necessary to put these laws in place. So it's important that that employers, first of all, have the right policies, that they educate both the employees and the managers on how to deal with it. And then one thing that Brad said that is so important, is I, I try to figure out when I handle a case of an employer, what's the best way to get this resolved as quickly and as, as soon as possible. And and I, I, frankly, always encourage early mediation of cases uh, to try to get things resolved, oftentimes in these cases. and. And Brad can uh, can can call home with us. The person really doesn't want a lot of money. They just want to be someone to say, you know, what's happening is wrong, and they want it stopped. I mean, it's not it's, it's not that they're trying to win a lot of money. They just don't want to be treated wrongly, and that's not a bad thing. to want. hmm. Well,
2: well, <laughs> I think we're all going to be treated fairly here, um, and as the show is going to be ending soon, and I want to make sure that both of you get a chance. To give out your uh phone numbers and or websites so that if people either uh employees for Brad or employers for rob um are in need of uh <laughs> of legal representation, they will be able to contact you sure. so
4: this is Brad Gage, and our phone number is area code eight one eight three four zero nine two five two eight one eight Three four zero nine two five two, and my website is com, all spelled out
3: g-o-l-d-b-e-r-g-a-n-d-g-a-g-e dot com right. and this is uh, Rob Beckin I'm here to coach 714 and my email is becken d-e-k-k-e-n at mpg like miles per gallon law.com look forward to hearing from you and uh, hope you get in the right spot to make sure you're treating people properly and stay out of the legal system because it's a lot of real justice and no one wins
4: well, thank you very much for having us on. Well,
2: you're very welcome. Very A lot of good advice, and uh, this is certainly a very thorny place to be, and we all want to be there and have to be there. So again, I'd like to thank my guests, Rob Beckon, the Costa Mesa law firm of Music, Keeler and & Garrett, and Bradley Gage, the law firm of Goldberg and Gage. And these are both super lawyers, so if you have super problems, you know where to go. And I, I w- hope you all will think about uh, some of the things that I brought up as well in regard to uh, think about how you uh, look at your boss or look at your coworkers and whether it seems, whether even though you may not have thought of it before, that in fact you do react to them uh, in the way that you reacted to your siblings competitively or to your parents. Uh, maybe your mother was the more compassionate one, and so you, you feel um, that you're going to be, accepted more and appreciated more by uh, the female bosses, and your father was perhaps uh, very critical or very um, volatile, and every time your male boss comes towards you, you're expecting him to yell at you like your father did. So think about it, and yes, try to avoid lawsuits when possible, but that doesn't mean not standing up for yourself if you're not being treated fairly. So thank you all for listening. This is Dr. Carol Lieberman, your psychiatrist host, and you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com.
5: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.